This is Karen Roach, licensed clinical social worker and adjunct faculty member at Loyola University of Chicago. We are going to discuss chapter five of the McWhorter text for Social Work 676. And this chapter focuses on individual characteristics of high and low risk kids. The first thing that I wanna start with is the concept of resiliency. Many of us, uh, I think, thought that resiliency is something that we are born with, that we are either resilient or we're not. And as you've already learned in The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog, resiliency is actually something that is created and developed over time. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and just quickly define that resiliency is the capacity to adapt and function successfully despite chronic stress and adversity. So basically when we are met with things that are highly stressful, uh, we are in adverse environments or dealing with adverse situations, resiliency is the ability to adapt to those Uh, implement really great coping strategies and then be able to move forward and still function despite the chronic stress or the adversity that we're facing. Resiliency is actually not static, but is influenced by both internal factors and external or environmental factors. So it is possible to be uh, have resiliency in childhood, but not be quite as resilient as an adult or vice versa. Uh, sometimes we see kids who don't have a lot of resiliency, but as they grow up, the, it, the number of protective factors is increased. Maybe they have uh, better support systems and structures in place, and so they become resilient adults. There are basically uh, three areas that we look at when we talk about the development of resiliency. And according to McWhorter, those are your social environment, your family milieu, and individual characteristics of resilient youth. So I'm going to kind of summarize this real quickly, um, that essentially when we have an environment of chaos, we seek consistency. And when we have an environment of safety and consistency, we seek out novelty. And when we talk about resiliency and stress, uh, kids that experience unpredictable or severe stress, they become very vulnerable. But kids who live in uh, predictable environments and have moderate levels of stress become resilient. Because as we know and as we've already learned, stress is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, It just has to be predictable and we have to have effective coping strategies to be able to deal with it. We also have to experience some of these stressful situations um, in doses so that we're able to recover from that stressful situation. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, Let's just say that you are in a car accident. Obviously, highly stressful. It was unpredictable. You didn't know it was going to happen. But because there are supports that get put into place for that car accident, maybe emergency personnel come, you might have family or friends that rally around you and offer support you are able to recover both physically and social emotionally from that car accident. However, if every single time you went out driving, you got into a car accident, uh, that would over time be unpredictable and chronic and you would then become vulnerable to driving. You might develop a fear for driving or experience high anxiety about getting into a car. 
So let's go ahead and break down some of these uh, three factors that lead into resiliency. When we are talking about social environment, this includes the child's family, school, community, and kinship networks. When social support is low in one setting, we can actually compensate that by providing assistance or supports in other settings. As a school social worker, I see this all the time. Sometimes we have kids that come into school and the support or the resources at home are very low. Parents often do the best that they can, um, but let's face it, sometimes they are limited either in their knowledge or their their actual resources, maybe financial resources, maybe their own education background. But when they come into the school setting, the team rallies around this child and is often able to compensate for some of the resources that are lacking at home. And I have also seen this work in reverse where a child might have an incredibly strong support system at home, but just isn't really on the same page with the teacher, doesn't have very strong social networks. And so the family is actually able to compensate that support at home with what the child might be lacking at school. At the end of the day, caring relationships increase resiliency. They provide emotional support, encouragement, and advice for the child. Family factors that influence resiliency include effective parenting strategies. So this is well-balanced discipline. Parents have to demonstrate a level of consistency. Kids that grow up in a chaotic and unpredictable environment are highly increased to vulnerability. An example of this would be the parent that sometimes will respond in a very positive, nurturing way, while other times might yell and scream or have a huge reaction to a very little problem. These kids are unable to predict what the parent's response is going to be. This is unpredictable. Another example of an unpredictable environment might be a child who goes home to a comfortable, caring, nurturing household, but then as a parent might start drinking or if there are financial struggles that day or that month, um, all of a sudden the stress level increases and now we have unpredictability in parent attachments and parent support as well as parent response. Other factors at home that influence resiliency include parental support and involvement. How much are they involved in their child's life? How much support are they able to offer? How much love is there? And this is not only what is actually being offered, but it's also the perception of the child. So sometimes kids will report that they feel like their parents aren't paying attention to them. And using real life examples, this could be a parent that seems to be physically present, but always has their face in a device or a computer. So the child's perception is that, yes, even though my parent is there and physically available for me, they are not emotionally supportive. They're not paying attention to me. They do not care about me. They do not love me. Um, Another factor in the family is healthy communication patterns. How well are we able to have conversation and communicate? Are we doing this in a loving, supportive, balanced way? Or is there a lot of chaos and yelling? Parental monitoring, how, and this goes right hand in hand with support and involvement. How well is a parent in tuned to what their child is doing on a daily basis? 
And then finally, kind of a summary to all of those points is a positive parent-child relationship. When there are positive attachments and strong relationships between a parent and a child, we inevitably see an increased development of resiliency. In talking about individual characteristics for the development of resiliency, we look at does a child have the ability to proactively problem solve and do they have constructive perceptions of problems? I look at this and say, does a child have a growth mindset or are they kind of fixed in their mindset? Do they believe that these are the cards that were dealt and there's nothing I can do about it? Or are they very open-minded and flexible to, hey, This really isn't how I plan things. This isn't how I wanted them to go, but what can I do to work through it or problem solve? We also look at the ability to form positive relationships with other people, the ability to be alert and autonomous and independent in their functioning. What are the social school and cognitive competencies of that individual child? Does the child have some sort of regulatory factors? Are they able to maintain an internal locus of control? Can they control their impulsivities? Are they able to be reflective on their problems and really see the bigger picture? And in general, do they have a positive self-regard? And then finally, do they have a sense of humor, an ability to delay gratification, and have future orientation? Are they be able to, able to see beyond the moment? So whenever I think about these individual characteristics, if I were to sum them up, I would say, are we growth mindset abled? Are we able to see the big picture, able to tease out the positive in things, um, and able to really be able to see things for what they are, and not so much as what is happening to me, but what is happening for me. The final piece of this recording that I want to quickly talk about, uh, just because it kind of ties it all together, are the five C's of competency that McWhorter talks about. Those five C's are critical uh, school competencies. Do we have basic academic skills? And do we have academic survival skills? Meaning, when things get tough at school, are we able to seek out assistance, either from a peer or a teacher? Are we able to problem solve when things get tough or do we just give up? The second competency is a concept of self, self self-esteem, and self-efficacy. Do we have positivity about ourselves and see things really uh, overall positively for ourselves? The third C is connectedness. Do we have positive communication with other people? Are we able to have the perspective of someone else and really be able to take the perspective of someone else and put ourselves in their shoes, which also relates directly to empathy? And do we have positive coping strategies and problem-solving skills when we run into relationship problems, whether it's a conflict with a peer, a conflict with a teacher, a conflict with a parent? Are we able to take a step back and really use good coping strategies to problem-solve that? The fourth C is coping ability, which I've already talked a lot about. Uh, The ability to cope with stressful situations and problem solve are huge when it comes to resiliency. Resilient kids and ultimately resilient adults are able to work through problems and solve them effectively and pretty proficiently. People who are vulnerable have pretty poor coping strategies. They often want to throw up their hands, give up, say, I can't do this. 
And then finally, the last C of competency that McWhorter talks about is control. Do we have solid decision-making skills? Are we able to delay gratification? And do we have an overall uh, positive purpose and general purpose of life? The last thing that I want to talk about that is discussed in the McWhorter chapter is mindfulness. This is 100% a buzzword right now, but the research really supports uh, the ability to have mindfulness and be mindful of your present moment and have awareness and acceptance of what's going on with you in that moment. There is a ton of research on mindfulness training, and the research also supports that when we practice mindfulness, We are able to make better decisions, have more positive coping strategies, and develop more positive relationships. Um, I will tell you guys that in my office, when I meet with kids individually or in small groups, we end every single one of our sessions with a mindful moment. And this is really just simply one minute where they either close their eyes or look down at the ground, whichever is more comfortable for them. And we practice deep breathing. And at the end of that mindful moment, which lasts about a minute, we say one positive thing that we're either looking forward to for the rest of the day or one thing that we're going to do that's great for the rest of the day. And this just really instills um, an awareness of positivity, where we are in our present moment, and how we're going to get through the difficult times. Overall, it emphasizes changing people's relationship to their experience, and we have found that integrating mindfulness techniques into our day and into a classroom helps kids who are stressed. Let's continue the discussion in Voxer. Send me your thoughts, ask me your questions, and I will talk to you all soon. Thank you.